Welcome to A Pinch of Salt podcast. A podcast where we make communication a topic of conversation. I'm Hannah. I'm Tara. And together, we We make a pinch of salt. Hello. Hello, hello. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a lockdown episode of Salt. So me and Hannah are recording this. How many miles apart? Oh, London to Sheffield. I don't know. Um, 250 is my guess. 250 miles apart. Um, Using technology, as so many of us have adapted to during this lockdown. And do we have a treat for you today or do we have a treat? (laughs) Our our favourite topic to, to, to moan about and to ask our friends about, I would say. They can be the making of you or uh, they can completely uh, terrify you, really. And definitely kind of a hot topic at the moment with everybody kind of um, graduating at this time of year. That's true. Yeah, everyone graduating and also everyone having to do interviews slightly differently. So a lot more technology based Skype and telephone interviews. Yeah, definitely. So if you haven't guessed by now, we are going to be talking about interviews in today's podcast. Um, and hopefully share some knowledge that is useful and benefits you in some sort of way. I mean, we're going to do our best, aren't we, Hannah? We always do. (laughs) I think Um, we start off with something lighthearted, though. I think we should start with maybe the worst interview experience we've ever had. Oh, okay. I like that. Kind of almost like an icebreaker. Yeah. Okay. Well, then, what, what have been your worst interview experience then, Hannah? Uh, so definitely this one this one took the top of the of the charts of bad interviews. Um, I flew back from Indonesia and had a job interview the day afterwards. So we're already off to a, a fairly rocky start. And the interview was going to be over video call um, with three other people. And I was all ready. I had my notes. I'd read so much on the plane back and went to log into my Skype account at 2 to 11 um, when the interview started at 11 and my Skype just got really upset and locked me out and said that I changed internet provider or changed wi-fi code and uh, and I had to go through a series of security checks to make sure that it was actually me Uh, and I knew that if I did those security checks I'd be very late for my interview so I decided to get my house phone and dial in to this interview with three fairly senior people um, and did the entire interview on on my house phone. That sounds really stressful, but also quite quick thinking from you. Thank you. I mean, it was extremely stressful. And I think I thought, you know what, these people aren't going to give me the job because I can't even work Skype. Then um, I'm clearly going to be terrible and not not the right person for the team. and I was very surprised when I got a call to tell me that I had been successful. And I think potentially I relaxed into the interview because I thought they just, there was no chance in hell of them giving me the job. Mm, I thought this was supposed to be bad interview experience, Hannah. Yeah, but I mean, it was, sounds like it has a really happy ending. That was a bad experience. It was a good outcome, but it was a bad That's experience. True. I've never been so stressed. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. You know what? I actually had a really similar um experience when I was interviewing for the child language therapy and teaching journal to be their social media and book editor Mm -hmm. where 
it was supposed to be by phone anyway and I got like this dialing code I don't really know how that kind of stuff works um so I had booked a room because it was like during work like just before lunch so I told everybody that I was busy I booked a room um to do the interview and I went down had my phone had my notes in front of me was like already really nervous actually because I really really wanted the role and my mobile phone didn't allow me to do that I wasn't allowed to like dial in for calls on my mobile provider so I then at this point it's like literally time for the interview so I have to like run up to my office dial in on my office phone um and there were other people in the office as well and I just had to do this interview knowing that everybody in my office could hear me (laughs) so we've covered um Skype interviews and telephone interviews what other kind of interviews have you come across as a speech therapist so I have had quite a range of different types of interviews actually I have had Skype interviews before I've had face-to-face interviews I have had face-to-face interviews where I've been interviewed by the service users okay so people that might use the service have, have asked me questions um and I've also done some kind of I've done a few that are a bit like exams you have to do like a maths and an English test or a competency kind of based um workbook um but I then I've also done competency based practical interviews where I have delivered a session and given my um session plan beforehand and then they've watched me do a session and then I've had a face-to-face interview with questions so quite a broad range. Have you had the same? Um, I don't think I've ever had to plan and deliver a session for an interview before. Was that oh, really? band six, band seven kind of post? No, it was a band five post. Gosh, that's very thorough. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was actually where I am now. Oh, well, they, they did yeah. a good job to interview you. So I'm still there, six six years later, three years later. One of the, one of the worst interviews I think I did was... Um, was one where it was an exam and there was a room full of potential speech therapists and we went and and did an exam and it was competency based and then they let us all go out and said that they would call us if we had passed the exam and could come for the interview and we decided to go and sit together in a cafe and then there was this awful moment where people started getting phone calls And some got phone calls and some didn't. And the people who got the phone calls were delighted, but kind of felt guilty for the people that didn't get the phone calls. And uh, and it was just a really peculiar situation. I remember you telling me about that, actually. Yeah, it was, it was not enjoyable. It was very stressful. Mm. I think you're done with exams once you leave university. Have you got any kind of tips or tricks if we're thinking about speech therapy interviews in particular, what have you learned from the, the kind of interviews that you've had that have gone well and not gone so well? Um, I think always making sure you've researched where you're interviewing for, particularly for NHS interviews. I feel like they really want you to know the kind of ethos of that trust that you work with. Um, and I like to over-prepare, so just practicing lots of answers verbally with someone. So not just reading things and writing things out, but actually listening to yourself and, and how you sound when you're giving those answers and making sure you sound confident and also competent is really, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and also definitely, definitely going to the place where you're going to have the interview before it happens, I think takes away a level of stress because then- my mum and dad have, have taught me that from a young age. My mum and dad do exactly the same thing. They'll go the day before 
wherever it's anywhere new and kind of scope out the place, double check how to get there. Um, and I've always done the same thing. Yeah, I think it takes away a level of stress that's just unnecessary. And you, the more relaxed you are, the, the better you'll perform, the more yourself you'll be. So I think that's just the best approach to take. Yeah. Uh, and also just wear, wear a great outfit. But then it just depends what you're like. I, I enjoy wearing um, a power outfit and that's me. But if you're not like that, then, then don't pretend to be something you're not to get a job. So coming back to, to where we've interviewed, so we've covered how the interviews have gone, but, but where have you interviewed over these last 10 years? Um, so my first job, I was a bakery assistant. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so I have, uh, I've interviewed for the NHS quite a few times. Um, I also have experience of interviewing at kind of private or independent, shall I say, um, speech therapy companies. Uh, I have some experience with the local authority as well. And I have also interviewed um, in kind of like non-state non maintained schools or colleges. So they're not private, they're not quite public, they kind of fit in a bit of a strange grey area. So those are the places that I've all interviewed for before. Okay, so quite, quite a range of different places in quite a short amount of time. Um, have you interviewed anywhere else that you think is relevant to share? Um, nowhere relevant. So my most recent interview was for the civil service. And I have to say that it's a, just a completely different interview style. Um, mm -hmm. And they have, you know, their own criteria that they, they mark on. Um, but having done lots of speech therapy interviews, I didn't feel prepared for that interview from my interview experience. Interesting. So what kind of differences have you noticed maybe between kind of interviews and then between the civil service then, if that was such a huge jump? I think for speech therapy, it's a lot more about what you have done for certain clients. Like they'll ask about mm. um, maybe a, a client that you've worked with and, and things have gone particularly well or you've got a buy-in from difficult parents or um, working well in a team. And it's a lot about collaboration, I think, in therapy interviews. And then I would say that for mm -hmm. the civil service, it's a lot more kind of what have you done? And it's the, the questions can be a lot more abstract. So how have you, tell me about a time you've seen the bigger picture. Um, that's just not a question that you'd get asked, I don't think, in a speech therapy interview. Yeah, it made me more specific, like, tell me about a time that you were working as part of an MDT team um, and what was the wider outcome for the client? Yeah, spot on. That, that really does sound like a speech therapy interview question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, it's always like I'm a speech therapist. I have definitely noticed difference between um, different sectors that you're interviewing for. So I definitely felt that when I was interviewing for the NHS, it was like you were kind of on a conveyor mm -hmm. belt and they were just doing that day in, day out. And you would go to your interview and it really felt like they hadn't, they didn't even know who you were in terms of that they hadn't even read your application and you just kind of got put there by HR. Um, and I felt that when it was for the kind of independent companies, a lot of it, was around your kind of own personal style and how you you'd fit in and then for the local authority it felt kind of in the middle it was a bit more flexible and they did know who you were and they remembered your application um, but it was still like 
quite formal, rightly so, um, as it should be, um, and kind of competency based. And I thought that was really interesting how different those sectors were. I mean, um, and I think it kind of they all come with pros and cons, don't they? Because with a kind of smaller place, it might feel like they might be more able to get to know you and how you're going to fit in the team. But then that also comes at a cost because you're probably more likely to be biased towards certain types of people um, and want a certain type of person um, for the job rather than someone who is right for the job. And I think you can be quite biased, which isn't necessarily Mm -hmm. a good thing. Yeah. But you have, I think, a really interesting experience because one of your Skype interviews was not in this country, was it? Yeah, so I obviously interviewed for my um, post in Bali um and that was a series of skype interviews so i had three skype interviews one with um hr one with the head of the school and one with the head of therapy um was it in that order as well uh it was yeah i had to have what the one with hr first um and she asked me some really some really interesting questions so she actually asked me about um which interventions i've used and I think I could have said anything and she would have just kind of nodded and said, oh, yes, that sounds great. Because I don't think she knew too much about speech therapy. <laughs> interesting. It's interesting as well that the head of therapy was the third person to interview you. Yeah, um, that is an interesting choice, isn't it? I think the, the head of therapies wasn't actually a clinical role. Um, so she was more of a coordinator. Um, mm-hmm. so it was kind of, you know, she, okay, she's passed the HR check. She's passed with the head of the school. Now, will she fit into that team? Uh, mm. by the head of therapies. So that's the order it went in. And it makes for an interesting experience, uh, interviewing abroad because obviously there was the time difference. So I think it was 8am when I was interviewing and it was 4pm in Bali. Um, mm. and your connection can drop. And so your interview, because you do it over video, is almost like a series of screenshots of your face in really awful. Uh, uh, and then you have the nice reconnecting noise of beep, 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 when you think you've answered a question really well and you have to repeat it all with the same level of enthusiasm. So uh, it definitely has its own challenges. And did you power dress for that as well, oh, at eight in the morning? Of course. And- I mean, I guess we all dress when we go to work, don't we? I don't know why that feels so early. I guess that's lockdown life for me. Uh- the idea of having clothes you, on before I in lockdown are you on the elasticated waistbands and pajamas or I am in jogging bottoms and a nice top in case I have to um video I actually I heard somewhere that um some clothes companies had seen a, an exponential rise in nice tops being ordered because everyone's just wearing nice tops and jogging bottoms or leggings <laughs> I agree I, I think I agree with you on that that um certainly in my NHS interviews I didn't feel like they take into account your personality and how you would fit into the team. And like you say, that can be a good or a bad thing. And then when I interviewed for this international school, it was all about how would I fit into the team? How would I cope in that new environment? Um, Would I be okay to be so far away from home? And they're all things that aren't really my competencies as a speech therapist at all. It's just about me as a person. Mm. I found, yeah, definitely when you go for those independent um, maybe private schools or independent schools it's a lot more about you and how you're going to fit into that ethos did you notice any kind of common questions because you touched on the difference and the broadness of the civil service questions but did you notice kind of common interview questions 
between your speech therapy. I think one that you always come across is um, about getting buy-in from difficult stakeholders. So whether that's head teachers or senkos or parents, um, mm-hmm. using your skills as a clinician to to get buy-in from those people and to and to work with them when there might be a difference in opinion. Yeah, there's always definitely a what would you do if this difficult situation happened? Yeah, which is just your standard conflict resolution question. Uh, And I think you'll get that outside of speech therapy, but it's it's just usually worded like that in a speech therapy interview. Such civil service. (laughs) Well, um, that's my life now. That's my bread and butter. Um, And then another one, I guess, is working well within a team. I think that's always something that comes up um so you know how how have you worked well within a team or how have you worked within a team to achieve a common goal um I think that that's really important and that's what people like to see especially talking in a wider multi multidisciplinary sense um bringing in you know your occupational therapists and maybe education how you've worked Mm. with them and recognized professional boundaries yeah and understanding the scope of others as well I think is is a good one and understanding um your own scope of practice I think comes into a lot of questions I've definitely noticed a lot of questions um that ask about perhaps the interventions that you feel comfortable delivering or that Mm -hmm. you know about one of the hardest interview questions that I had I've never had anything like it again was I was asked my opinion on the controversial speech and language therapy topic Mm -hmm. um so that's definitely one to look out for one that I had I've never come across again before or after that that really and can I ask what the topic was yeah the question asked me uh, as a newly qualified um what was my opinion on the non-speech or remote exercises debate and then what would I do if a parent wanted me to um, use ensigns with their child how would I navigate oh, interesting and um, can we get a flavour of your answer my answer was very much like mainly because I I don't it was like I understand a lot about you now um, but at the time I was like what are you talking about non-feature motor exercises what and I just graduated, so I was like, I really shouldn't be in this job Sorry, if I don't know. <laughs> no, I do you know what I'm ashamed to say that my answer was, yeah, I think it's no. great. And that, yeah, sure, I would do it if a parent asked me um to, but don't worry, I have not ever. I'm, done I'm that. glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear this. The thing is, it was also a telephone interview. So at the time, I was trying to Google it at the same time, but I was so stressed trying to get the answer from my head and also just, like, trying to double-check that I knew what I was talking about. And that's an interesting thing to to touch on quickly, is that um, I think it is really important when you are interviewing. If someone asks you a question, I'm not saying you should Google it, but if you need a second to compose your answer in your head or write it down so that you're better able to answer it, I think it's really important to ask for that time. And I think some people process information differently and some people do need just a little bit of time and interviewers should never really hold that against you. So let's think about when the shoe's on the other foot, because we've both had experience with interviewing now, haven't we? And 
I honestly think as an interviewer, at some point, I was more nervous than the interviewee because I'd never done it before and I had complete imposter syndrome. So as an interviewer, what have you been looking for? Well, obviously, the right answer is a good start. Um, But more than that, um, definitely a smile. I think some people can look like a rabbit in the headlights in interviews. And that doesn't help your game. So smiling and coming across as confident and having conviction in your answers um, really helps. And I think that there are lots of non-verbal cues that interviewers will pick up on. So um, maintaining eye contact and, and moving your eye contact across the different people that may be interviewing you rather than staring out the window or staring at one person in particular, those kind of things I think can help you. For me, as an interviewer, I'm often more nervous than the interviewee, but maybe, again, that's just because I'm quite early in my career. I am really interested in kind of the content of the answer, and I guess in some ways the person's ability to perform under pressure. So an interview is quite a difficult situation, Um and as an interviewer, I think I like to kind of see people uh, being honest mm-hmm. and authentic. So like you said earlier about being able to say, can you explain that question a little bit more? Or can I have a moment? Um, I really kind of respect that. It's not going to get you the job, but I think as an interviewer, it definitely makes me yeah, <laughs> more relaxed. Um, well, um, yeah, there's a lot of value in letting someone know when you don't know the answer and telling them the steps mm. that you would take in that situation if you didn't know the answer. So we don't come out of university knowing everything. And I think definitely in your first um, band five interviews, there is space to say, you know, I don't know the answer to this question. However, I would go to my supervisor and I would look at my lecture notes and and talking through the steps that would get you to the right answer is sometimes just as valuable as giving yeah. them the right answer in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in terms of the content, we normally in the interviews I've done have kind of like a point system and the answers are kind of graded from zero, which is they didn't answer it at all um I've had zero to three so three is like an excellent answer but I've also had zero to five um and so in some ways it can be a bit subjective so it really kind of counts or hinges on the answer so the content of what you say and ensuring that you talk about and cover the most important points so sometimes that's thinking about the kind of buzzwords if you will that are needed for that answer um and you can give a really concise answer um, with all of the right content um, and get more points than somebody that talks for five minutes at length about something but doesn't kind of hit what the question is asking you to do. So really kind of thinking about what is mm-hmm. that question asking you to do. I think um, it is it is really important to make sure that you have answered the question. And sometimes you can even say to them, have I given you what you need for that answer? And that yeah. is like a really helpful way yeah. of, of passing the ball back to them and saying, you know, have I got those points? And if not, throw it back over here and I'll, and I'll keep going until I, until I give you what you need. Definitely, I feel like um, in terms of being the interviewee, but also being the interviewer, I've never seen a situation where somebody hasn't asked for clarification or hasn't said, have I answered that question sufficiently? And the interviewer mm-hmm. not giving an honest answer and saying, yep, we've got what we need 
or actually can you expand a little bit more on x y or z so I definitely think they'll try and help you out um, because at the end of the day you do you know you want to recruit a good therapist and you want to to recruit someone that's right for the job and giving them a helping hand in the interview that's not going to be the end of the world it doesn't mean you're going to hire someone who's completely incompetent I guess then the question is which is something that I actually do think about a lot how do you ensure that you are being fair as the interviewer oh I think it's quite difficult because unconscious bias exists in the world and we're all victim to it I think that it's really hard um I think that, like you said, there's a lot of unconscious and conscious bias. Um, And I'm not sure, for me, I know all of the answers um, and how to ensure that the interview system is fair. Um, But not just fair, that, you know, there's really kind of, um, instead of equality, there's equity and people are um, given opportunities um, and positions where it's due um, and are not penalised um because of somebody else's um yeah and I think that's where you know the NHS is doing its best and has that point-based system the interview format can often really knock some people down who might be competent speech therapists Mm -hmm. because they don't perform well in those kind of pressurized situations where three people are staring at them from across the table um, it can be a real hindrance and, and that's quite unfair and I don't really know what the answer is in terms of making it uh, a more relaxing experience and maybe we shouldn't be but um, it does seem that some people will be at a real disadvantage if they're more introverted or shy or anxious. I definitely think we can both agree that there's a lot to be changed about the interview process to make it fairer but we perhaps yeah, don't have definitely. all of the answers yet. I do you think, though, that it's really useful to take the Harvard implicit bias bias test, which you can do online if you just Google Harvard implicit bias test, and you can kind of look at the implicit bias you might have um, towards different genders or weights or ethnicities, um, and I think that can be quite eye-opening um, if you're thinking about how you want to develop. And we all have loads of time in lockdown, so now is a perfect time to do that what kind of final words do you want um, to say I think it's really important to always leave the interview and regardless of the outcome ask for feedback so even if you do well in the job, there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with saying yeah, okay agree. why did I do so well in this interview because you're going to have more interviews in the future so always get feedback from um from the person who's interviewed you is a definite um always write down the questions and write down as much of your answer as you can when you get out of the interview and it's fresh in your mind and finally walk away walk away from that interview and regardless of how you've done have a glass of wine or a cup of tea and just say well done to yourself because it takes a lot of effort and a lot of energy and you really put yourself out there when when you're interviewed um Mm. so just give yourself a pat on the back for that yeah, I think it's really important to look after yourself before and after the interview. And I think it's always important to remember that it is, it's not the be all and end all. I have definitely been in situations where I have thought that interview was like a life or death situation. This is my most perfect job in the world. I, you know, it was made for me. I have to perform. Um, and sometimes I've got them and sometimes I haven't. But definitely in retrospect, they weren't it wasn't a life or a death situation and life goes on 
um, no matter how well suited you think you are to the job um, and to look after yourself in those times um, to remember that you are competent um, and you are a good clinician and you are doing your best um, but I also think that you should kind of put yourself out there as much as you can so you know desensitize yourself especially at the beginning just apply for job after job after job and really kind of get that experience in so that you feel really comfortable doing it I'm in a position where I have been in my job for three years now um, and I'm not currently looking for another job but the idea of doing an interview for even a volunteering opportunity terrifies me because I have and that's where it comes into play with um, practicing with friends practicing with your family and saying ask me these questions and and giving the answer like you're going to give them to the interviewer because it can even be more embarrassing to give those answers to friends and family so if you can practice and if you can role play Mm. then you're going to be even more prepared for that moment where you're actually sitting in front of three strangers asking them to give you a job Yeah, completely agree. Shall we finish with our best interview experience? Yes, that's a nice thing to do. Um, I think, so for my first job, I was working in a local authority and I went to my interview and I was terrified. And I sat down in front of um, these two people that I believe to be speech therapists, but it actually turned out they were specialist teachers. And the first thing that one of them said Mm. to me was, take five minutes, have a glass of water, and just let us know when you're going to be ready. I really relaxed at that moment. And I realized that this woman was a very kind person and that she wanted me to do well and that I wasn't here like an exam. I was here to try and succeed and and walk into this job with this team of, of clearly quite nice people um and so I really relaxed into that interview and I really enjoyed it and and got the job so that's always a plus um and there was just there's a lot of of um respect for interviewers who are kind and who smile and who don't treat you like you're sitting in front of the head teacher at school I was once offered a job immediately like the interview hadn't ended and I was offered the job I was on Skype that was really nice um that was yeah really exciting for me I think whenever I've been given personalized feedback I've really appreciated that like you said I've asked for Mm -hmm. feedback when I've got the job and when I haven't when people take the time um even you know literally phone calls are like five seven minutes I really really appreciate the time that people take to do that um to further me in my professional career and my competencies Uh, I've really enjoyed getting kind of personalized feedback yeah and I hope this has kind of been useful and I think kind of whatever stage you're at it's all about practice and it's all about confidence and preparation so all that's left to say is good luck you've got this bye see you next time 